Well, you can't do better for others than you can do yourself. That's why I always teach my students, I before we always. You can't give what you don't have. It's also not our responsibility to make other people happy because as soon as you fall into that trap, you also fall into the trap that telling them the truth about anything is likely to create um, anger, emotion, jealousy, resent, frustration, confusion, sadness, or rejection of you. Welcome to Living 4D with Paul Check. In today's episode, Paul answers some of the many questions that you have submitted via social media and email. He received over 100 questions for this episode, so he tried to cover as many of the recurring topics and themes as possible. These include how to stay centered and grounded in today's turbulent world, his thoughts on tattoos, how he practices patience, advice on post-training recovery techniques, a discussion on the topic of death, tips on how to listen to your soul, suggestions on how to address the feelings that you have let others down, some advice that he would give his 20-year-old self now, and finally, what superpower he wishes he could have. If you have a question you would like to ask Paul, stay tuned to his social media and email updates for future opportunities. I thought we'd start today with a question that I know you get asked quite often on social media and various places. Uh, so this one comes from Jewish, Jewish Matzah. Uh, via Instagram. And the question is, what's one thing you wish you could tell your 20-year-old self? Well, if I could tell my 20-year-old self something, 20, let me think what I was doing when I was 20. I joined the army at 22. I would tell my 20-year-old self, spend more time with your son, don't work so hard. I would tell my 20-year-old self, be conscious of the fact that your parents' programming around money can cause you a lot of stress, so study abundance consciousness and practice it. Um, that was something that took me a long time to heal, and thank God I did. Um, I would tell my 20-year-old self that it'll all work out, that uh, you're going to end up having two more beautiful children, you're going to have two wives that love you and share life with you, and to pace yourself. And I would tell my 20-year-old self, don't sweat the small stuff save your energy, stay focused on your love and your dream, and don't let the critics and the naysayers and the small minds of the world pull you down, because they love to do that. And um, that's probably the most important things I would tell my 20-year-old self. Okay, super. The next question is actually a conglomerate of questions from different people. They're all asking pretty much the same thing. Um, and uh, so Brandon Bardo, Eric Alexander, Just Balanced Matt, uh, this is a, a 
composite of your questions to Paul, which are all about the same topic, such as life in it of itself is spiritual and our mission is to stay grounded enough to fulfill our purpose on this earth and this life. So when world situations such as now with the divide between beliefs, corruption, rights being taken away and so on are occurring, how does one continue to remain grounded, spiritual and playing the middle ground to find balance while not remaining ignorant to what's going on around you? So the other questions are, what practices would you recommend for staying centered at this time? And what practices do you help, do you use to help support times of change, uncertainty and possibility? Well, what I do, uh, that's a multi-pronged question. So first of all, staying grounded, it can be very stressful. Um, I find myself at times having to go out to my rock garden and put my feet on the earth. I find working in nature very grounding, very helpful. Um, I also think it's very important to disengage from as much of the mainstream media, television, social networking as possible. I tell people all the time, use your phone as a tool. Don't let it use you as a tool. So, uh, the best thing you can do with those types of things like social media is share things that are true to the best of your ability because anything you share that's true is likely to get censored, but you can always email people, you can call them, you can use images and art and song, um, any way you can convey the truth to people. There's an old saying, uh, I believe it came from the book called The Philosophy of Science, that says a little bit of nonsense repeated regularly for just 10 years can wipe out 100 years of truth. And that's terribly true. But if it's true, it must also be that the inverse of that is true. A little bit of truth repeated regularly for just 10 years can wipe out 100 years of nonsense. And that's where I put my heart and soul. So being the change, exemplifying uh, what it is that you're suggesting to other people, being vital, being healthy, being open-minded, being willing to look at opposing viewpoints and find the best aspects of both viewpoints is very, very critical. You know, there's a center of gravity in any culture, society, group, or family. And generally, based on psychological research, about 90% of the U.S. population, which is probably a good reflection of the world, has not evolved past the uh, development of a 12-year-old psychologically, which makes these people highly susceptible to manipulation, control, and... Um, that's the people that are the low center of gravity because they haven't really learned to think for themselves. They're very happy being unconscious and caught in sheep herd mentality because it allows them to be unconscious. And, you know, really thinking for yourself is real hard work. That's why David Bohm and Carl Jung almost said in parallel Real thinking is hard work. That's why most people just rearrange their prejudices and call it thinking. 
So when we tell people things to help clarify or enhance their lives, such as eat organic food, move your body, things like that, if we don't wear the change, then it's just something, that, another thing that has no evidence. So to them, it's just another conspiracy theory, which is one of the f- most famous ways of sidestepping an encounter with reality by the unconscious people of the world. It's also a tool of manipulation by the greedy people of the world to use that. Um, but for me, prayer is is one of my main practices, uh, and I don't mean just sitting and uh, praying. I use a variety of techniques, but I paint a lot, so I paint things that symbolize um, my year or what I want to connect to or my podcast uh, logo. And then what I do is I use that image as a symbol, which all symbols have transcendent function, which means they connect you to what is beyond the symbol. So for Christians, the symbol of Christ uh, being crucified, which often people wear around their necks, is really not meant to be looked at in and of itself. It's a symbol that gives you the opportunity to transcend the stories in the Bible and all that and have your own intimate relationship with Christ. Or it could be Buddha, or it could be any number of highly evolved beings or people that inspire you. So for me, each day, I I start my day by connecting to all the beings and people, whether they're alive or, or not, and giving thanks for all that they've taught me and thanking them for the motivation, inspiration, and support to live and love fully in my life. And then there's other techniques I use from Tai Chi to a variety of meditations. Uh, Painting is also a form of of meditation for me. But really, each of us needs to develop a routine that grounds us in the things that are most important in life, which is why my four doctors system is so critical. So if you don't do things that are happy-making for you, move your body, your emotions, and your mind effectively to orient yourself toward your own stated dream goals or objectives, get adequate rest, um, eat for your body's unique individual needs, and support sustainable farming practices with your purchase, uh, purchases, then we're always going to be out of balance. There's no such thing as a healthy three-doctor person. So. Keeping yourself stable means doctor happy, using your mind to create what you want, not what you don't want, having values around happy making, movement, diet, and rest, and introspection, and then letting those values guide your choices. Your yes has no value till you learn to say no. Without values, you don't know when to say yes or no, so you become a target for anything. You're like a uh, kitchen sink that people throw everything in, including vomit, and there's no uh, restriction on that. And then you end up just feeling like a dirty kitchen sink and looking like one. 
and wondering why the world's falling apart and why you're falling apart. Certain things need to be washed outside. Certain things need to be washed in solvents in a mechanics workshop. Certain things need to be washed in the mind, etc. So my point is that you don't just throw everything in a kitchen sink because you have values that determine you know, whether or not you should clean engine parts in there or not, or if that should be done in a bucket in your garage. So really it's a combination of all these factors. It's, it's really important to look at each of those four doctors and be very conscious that your dominant thoughts create your reality. We are projecting our beliefs onto the screen of the world and the screen of the world mirrors it back to us. A simple analogy for that is if you go to a party with a friend, but you're in a snotty mood when you show up and your friend's in a great mood, when you leave the party and your friend that was in a great mood arriving says to you, wow, that was such a great party. What'd you think? You're likely to say, oh, the people were boring. There was nothing to do and the food was shitty. Yet your friend had a completely opposite experience at the same party with the same food with the same people. So it's important to take responsibility for your inner state and your mental state. And that's why I always say, be clear what your dream goal or objective is for your life or on any given day. Identify where you're out of balance and make that your spiritual practice to bring that into harmony. And keep your feet on the earth. Make time to empty your mind. The mind gets very, very cluttered, and that leads to chaos, nervousness, and anxiousness, which in our culture means lots of prescribed drugs, which means high levels of toxicity, which means high levels of cortisol and disability of the immune system, and then you become a target for everybody who's got a game going in the so-called medical system, which is not a medical system. Um, and even if you go to most uh, holistic healthcare practitioners, Unfortunately, most of them don't have any real training in getting to the etiology or the cause of what ails people. So sadly, a lot of them are doing palliative care. They're doing it in more non-invasive ways. But ultimately, all behaviors are the result of beliefs. And beliefs and behaviors lead to choices which create the circumstances not only of our life, but of everybody's life. So in a nutshell... Live the way that you know if everybody lived, it would make the world a better place, and then share it in non-invasive ways and be creative about how you share it. Sometimes taking a direct approach isn't as effective as taking an indirect approach. So, in, for example, instead of telling somebody how they should eat or how they should live or who they should vote for, if you hand them a book and say, this is a great book, I learned a lot from it, let me know what you think. Then you're doing what's called using third-party endorsement. For example, telling anybody in your family that they should get off of gluten or processed sugar is not going to go well. But if you hand them a book like Sugar Blues and they read it and it blows their mind, they might start being more conscious of what they're doing to themselves and learn exactly what happens when you eat too much processed sugar by reading the book. So there's a tangential approach, kind of like a 90-degree angle approach. Sometimes the ego is so desperate to validate itself, it goes head on with people and, and creates clashes, and then they won't follow your advice because they're rebelling against you, so it's ineffective. So I think I've summarized 
how I do it. It, it is truly a firewalk, and we're in, in a very, very dangerous time in the evolution of humanity. And if you study history, whenever a, a culture begins to get too complex, it starts to break down and crumble. So, you know, we've seen a lot of empires come and go, the Incan Empire, the Mayan Empire, the Egyptian Empire, the Roman Empire. Um, and, you know, we're we're obviously very close to that form of collapse. And we've got um, several psychopaths with too much money for their own good taking over the planet. And that mirrors the unconscious of, of the world uh, population back to us. So the best thing that we can do is to um, educate people to the best of our ability and be a living example and contribute to healing the world in ways that feel loving and nurturing to you, which is why I say, if you love to sing, sing truth. If you love to dance, dance the truth. If you love to write, write the truth. Um, if you love to paint or draw, then paint and draw the truth. And that's how we get messages to people. For example, an image is worth a thousand words. So a good artist can capture a lot of truth and emotion and create a lot of movement in somebody with a simple image. So each of us has the opportunity to find out what it is that is a natural expression of our love and use it to add more love in the world. And the more chaotic the world is, the more important it is for us to disconnect ourselves from the sources of brainwashing and perpetual trauma that leave people nervous, anxious, flooded with cortisol, and unable to think creatively, which is exactly what they're trying to do. So I hope that gives you uh, a little overview of at least how I do it. Thank you. There's a saying I teach all of my students. The pain is seldom where the actual problem is. For example, I've seen many cases of rotator cuff problems that wouldn't heal even after surgery. But what most doctors and therapists overlook is that the right shoulder is under influence from the liver and the left shoulder the stomach. Once we apply the principles of detoxification, support digestion, and clear parasites, presto, shoulders start healing and working beautifully again which is always a shock to the therapists and doctors when they find out how their past client was helped by a Czech professional. After this past year, the clients we see will demonstrate this even more than ever due to using fast and often sugary foods, coffee, alcohol, smoking, and drugs as coping mechanisms while exercising less and spending more time staring at screens. But if you learn to see people holistically, like I teach my students in Holistic Lifestyle Coaching Level 1, you begin to see the true source of our illnesses and injuries. HLC 1 teaches you many essential approaches to health and well-being, such as how to assess what key body systems are under too much stress and how to restore balance, the importance of identifying a realistic dream goal or objective that inspires each individual to stick to their healing program and make the short and long-term changes that are necessary, my universally applicable 1-2-3-4 formula for assessing and correcting challenges, how to breathe optimally to enhance energy levels and mental clarity, how to use gentle movements to work in and enhance life force energy and support optimal immune function, how the function and health of the soil that food is grown in influences all systems of the body, including our mental emotional stability and much more. 
HLC1 is just a small part of what we teach our Czech Academy students, our education system for elite trainers and health professionals. Gavin Jennings and I designed the Academy to take you from wherever you are right now, even if you have no fitness or health education, to being one of the best holistic health and performance professionals on this planet. And as a Czech Academy student, you'll be able to help a lot of people reach their health goals in ways you never imagined. There is, in my opinion, nothing more rewarding and meaningful in life than helping other people look, feel, and live better. We are now accepting applications into the Czech Academy, so whether you're wanting to change your career or add a truly effective new dimension to your current skill set, now is the time to apply. Go to chekinstitute.com forward slash L number 4D Academy. That's checkinstitute.com forward slash L4D Academy. Let's make the world a better place together. Okay, the next question is one that I have not heard you talk about before. So I thought I'd throw this one in there. This comes from AG Middleditch. Um, and the question is, I would love to hear thoughts and any research you've done on tattoos, the implications for the mind, body, and soul for having ink done, whether it can, like affirmations and goals, be used to help manifest or vice versa. Can they actually have detrimental effects on someone's personal development? Yes, I actually have looked into that. I have had clients over the years that were poisoned by the ink, got very sick after having tattoos, and had to have them removed uh, because my research into their situation and things like blood testing and other things made it obvious what was going on. The other thing is to remember that images are also archetypal. They're all connected to archetypes. If you paint an image on your body, then you are linked into the archetype and the consciousness that goes with the image. A lot of people have things put on their bodies that are really not expressions of love, harmony, wisdom, or beauty. And you can wake up 10 years later and look at your body and go, what in the hell was I thinking when I did that to myself? And many don't want to go through the often uncomfortable and long process of having a tattoo removed. Um, you know, it's very, very important to remember that not only are you entangled with the image and all the psychic energy attached to it, but you're projecting it out into the world. So I don't have anything against tattoos. I mean, you can poison yourself with coffee, sugar, recreational drugs, medical drugs. I think it's just important to realize that when you put an image on your body, it's like an antenna and it keeps you attached to that frequency. Um, if somebody tattooed a skull and crossbones to your uh, the lens of your eye, then everywhere you went, everything would be skull and crossbones. And probably after a while, you would find it quite stressful and, and wish that you could see the world without a symbol of death in front of you all the time. Uh, but as I said, most people do this when they're young and they're not really very conscious and they haven't developed enough depth of wisdom to realize what they're doing to themselves. So... I think it's a personal choice, but I think you you need to be conscious of the fact that 
the ink used to tattoo people <clears throat> is classically very toxic. It can poison you. And the images are always not only sending messages to everybody. And the other thing is that the images you use on your body can send messages to people resulting in them making judgments as to whether or not you're a safe person or somebody to do business with or even to to uh, potentially have a relationship with because a lot of the people tattoo themselves with images that, like I said, are very dark and negative. Um, so once you do that, you're not only tapped into the... Uh, you're tapped into the... Um, psyche of the image but you're also sending a message to everybody around you that may actually uh, limit your capacity for freedom and growth and opportunity um, so i think it's each person's choice but i would say from all the tattoos i've seen and people who have them from head to toe look to see what it is you're trying to medicate or prove with your tattoo and see if you can find a more healthy way of doing that than um, putting uh, symbols on your body that says, I I'm a broken child that's pissed off at the world and stay away from me. And unfortunately, a lot of the tattoos have that sort of orientation to them. So that's my thoughts on that. Okay. A uh, personal question from Adam Bros. Hi, Paul. After 60 years of this glorious existence, how do you practice patience? I'm still working on that. <laughs> Believe me, I'm still working on that. I've got a five-year-old and a two-year-old, and they're my patience testers. And I've got a mother that can really test me to the limits, and so she keeps me in the exercise and I'm still working on healing my relationship with my first son. So that keeps me in the practice. Um, you know, I think one of the mottos I try to live by is don't sweat the small stuff. Um, most of the things we, we get wound up about, uh, we don't even remember a week later unless we really dig inside of our minds to think about it. And I also try to be aware that oftentimes the people that are irritating me or irritating us are actually venting some kind of other stress but aren't aware of it. They're projecting their own pain out onto other people as a means of trying to um, deflate the level of pressure inside of themselves. Like a, a you know, if you've ever been next to a semi-truck, once the air tanks reach a certain amount of pressure, then there's a relief valve to protect the tank from exploding usually around 140 PSI. So all of a sudden you'll hear a big and it'll let off the air and then the pump will build it back up to 140 and you'll So most people that are challenging and stressful to us that take our patients show up with their so-called air tank already topped up, but they all over us. And if we realize that oftentimes that we're not the actual issue and they're just venting, then we can ask them what it is that they're really wanting, feeling, or needing. And you'll often find that when you get to the core of it, it has nothing to do with what they're uh, vomiting all over you for. So I also try to remember the motto, everybody's loving the best they can, <clears throat> and realizing that most of us were not parented very well, 
a lot of the world's population was fed junk and still is eating junk. So, you know, when you look at the forces that develop the psyche that the average person's having to deal with, it's pretty apparent that we've got a very, very broken world culture. I mean, any good psychologist would tell you that. But there's a nice little Buddhist story that I'll share that I use in my mind to help me. And it goes like this. If you're out fishing in a rowboat, and all of a sudden a boat bashes into your boat, and you turn around and there's nobody in the boat, do you get upset? Well, most people say no. They just think it was just an odd thing. Maybe this boat got untied at the dock and was blowing in the wind and no big deal. But if somebody bangs into your boat like that and there's a person in it, most people get pissed off and, and chew them out and say, you know, what the hell are you doing? Or aren't you paying attention? And kind of react like they would if somebody cut them off in traffic. The reality of it is that most people that are banging into us and irritating us are empty boats. They're not even conscious of their own behavior. They're not conscious that they haven't healed their childhood wounds. They're not conscious that they're carrying the pain forward from their disgruntled relationships out into the world and spreading it around, not realizing that they're hurting other people. So another tip is look carefully to see if the boat has anybody in it or if it's empty. If it has somebody in it, again, find out what their true wants, feelings, and needs are and make a specific request such as, I feel much more capable of listening to you and engaging you in conversation if you say things in ways that allow, to, allow my heart to hear your message. But when you judge me or criticize me or blame me or make assumptions, it becomes very hard for me to stay connected to you, to my heart. So would you be willing to say that in a way that my heart can hear it? And if they can't, then you know that they're just a broken person and they're not really interested in a healthy relationship. They're just interested in um, passing their own pain into anybody else that they can bite. So those are just a few of the key things that I use. Paleo Valley makes some incredible superfood bars that are a lot different than what most people think of as a superfood bar. I've got Autumn Smith, the creator of their superfood bars, right here to tell you about them. Autumn, what is so unique about your awesome superfood bars? Well, our superfood bars are unique because not only do they not contain refined sugar or GMOs or any of the freaky additives that you'll find in most bars or gluten or anything, but they're just whole foods. They're low in sugar. They're made with superfoods like ginger and broccoli and acerola cherry and collagen from grass-fed and finished animals, which we all know is like a fountain of youth. And so the best part about them, though, is probably the flavor. They come in chocolate and apple cinnamon, and we have so many more delicious flavors to come, and they're easy to put in your bag to feed for you with your kids. And I hope you love them all as much as I do. All you have to do to get access is go to paleovalley.com, and you can use the code CHECK15, that's lowercase C-H-E-K, 15, and you can get 15% off. And I hope you love them. That's awesome. And just so you know, that's P-A-L-E-O valley.com. And I know you're going to love Autumn Superfood Bars. Let's uh, move to something a little more physical. You know, we have a lot of people interested in your training, exercise, um, 
tips, advice, and so on. Uh, this question is a, from Lama Snacker. Um, I love everyone's in, uh, Instagram IDs. So my question is around best practice for training recovery protocols. I have recently started daily cold plunges. And I have to say right here, I have a lovely image of a llama lying in a cold plunge tub. Um, but anyway, uh, so usually in the morning and sometimes after exercising or jujitsu. Again, I have a lovely image of a llama doing jujitsu. Um, I was wondering if you had any thought on the potential blunting of the hormone response if plunging too soon after workouts and also any other advice you have for post-workout routines and or soft tissue injuries would be helpful. I don't think personally I have a cold plunge. I've been using cold water therapies for since way before anybody was talking about them. Uh, at least 15 to 17 years ago, I was encouraging people to use cold water. I studied cold water applications as a therapist. I've read entire books on cryotherapy and its applications. So I'm very, very familiar with it. Um, I've never had cold water therapies as recovery do anything but good. Uh, so any blunting of, of uh, androgens, I think, uh, probably comes from either somebody's own fantasies or research that I would look carefully at the study design uh, because most of these researches that show things that just don't seem common sense based on practical experience are often uh, research uh, studies done by people that don't really understand what they're researching, which is really common in the health and exercise area. When it comes to recovery, one of the most important things that I teach is to get food into your body, and I mean real food, not packaged crap, sports bars, and cheap protein powders, and all this poison people call recovery food, but things like some chicken and some vegetables or whatever you would normally eat as fast as possible, because when you're... Um, exercising hard, your muscle cells are hungry for nutrition and for uh, blood sugar. And therefore, what I encourage people to do is eat one, uh, one step up above your normal carbohydrates. So for example, if you are a mixed type and your normal diet is 50% plants and 50% flesh foods, I would step it up to about 70% or eat 50% plants, a piece of fruit and the normal flesh foods. Because if you get your insulin up a little bit after a workout, the insulin will actually help pack the nutrition right into the working cells uh, while they're hot. And um, the longer you wait to do that, the less effective it is and the more likely you are to just wear that as fat. So I tell my athletes, you need to be putting that nutrition into your body before your sweat dries. So I have them carry food right to the gym and add one serving of whatever you can handle that's healthy. So I remember when I used to coach Mike Salemi for a couple, two and a half years, he would bring things like cheesecake or uh, healthy ice cream or something to train with him and it helped inspire him and motivate him to train real hard so that he could really know he'd earned his dessert. So he would eat some food and then 
hop it up with a little healthy sweet stuff in order to stimulate uh, increase in insulin and then take the uh, glycogen from the bloodstream and put it into the muscle as quickly as possible. The other thing is remember the principle of active and passive rest. Active rest is doing your chosen sport or conditioning activity at a significantly reduced intensity. So, for example, a runner would need to run for active rest at a pace 30% slower than their most recent uh, 10K time when broken down into pace per mile. So, for example, if you were running a 10K race at uh, six minutes a mile, you would increase the pace to 30% slower than that. Um, so you would basically do, be doing, um, I'm guessing, around eight-minute miles, which is kind of jogging, so that you're not stressing the body too hard. You're pumping, and you're getting the health benefits and the energizing benefits of it. Passive rest means doing any activity that uses muscle groups and movement patterns that do not directly compete with your primary activity. So, for example, when I trained the Army boxing team, I found that they were having a lot of hand, wrist <clears throat> elbow and shoulder injuries from too much sparring, too much fighting, and too much heavy bag time. So to circumvent that, I took time out of their workouts, usually at least once a week, and we went to the swimming pool and did neck deep shadow boxing. And so they could get a very hard workout, but they were getting the support of the hydrotherapy and the stimulation of the proprioceptive system which produces inhibition of the pain systems in the brain and nervous system. And it also aids the heart and circulatory return, tends to lower the heart rate about 10 beats relative to effort. Uh, so for example, whatever their heart rate would be doing shadow boxing for three minutes on land, uh, it would be about 10% less doing it in water because of the venous return. Water also decompresses the joints. So there's many, many things you can do, but really the point is, is in passive rest, you want to make sure that the activity doesn't detract from your um, anabolic rebound or your capacity to recover too much, or you'll end up being a fit, sick person and somebody who starts having to cheat to get better performance gains. I use Charlie Francis's rule. Charlie Francis was Ben Johnson's strength coach and sprinting coach. I think he was a sprinting coach as well, but I know it for sure he was a strength coach. And his rule is if you can't improve by at least 1% on your last visit to the gym with the same exercises, you don't belong in a gym. You should go home and rest or do some kind of self-care work. And I think there's a, a lot of wisdom to that. But because people are so addicted to exercise and have read too many magazines and don't pay attention to what their body's doing. They usually work themselves hard enough to meet the pain teacher and eventually the pain teacher teaches them how to train. But unfortunately, a lot of them end up being in their midlife before they figure that out. And by then they've pretty much stomped their athletic career into the ground uh, due to just lack of depth and understanding and poor coaching and also just being in a culture that's so sick and lost, they don't really have many teachers to turn to. Massage therapy is extremely powerful. Uh, back in my 
late 30s and 40s when I was training hard, uh, it wasn't unusual for me to get two massages a week, and it helped me tremendously to handle the heavy weightlifting, double workouts. Um, I was often doing morning and evening workouts, usually two to three days a week. Um, but it was uh, a good massage therapist is worth its their weight in gold. Um, acupuncture can be very, very helpful for a number of things from balancing your energy to general recovery uh, to um, looking for organs and glands and systems that are out of balance and, and helping to rectify that. Um, so there's many great benefits to acupuncture. <clears throat> there's really quite an arsenal of recovery therapies that I use and approaches, but it depends on what the individual needs and what their psychological profile is. Tai Chi and Qigong and the work-in exercises in my book are very helpful because by definition, any work-in exercise is an exercise that delivers more energy per unit of time than it costs to do. So they always leave you with a surplus of life force energy, which greatly enhances recoverability. So there's that. Um, I think without just going on a long, long expose of all the different approaches that can be used, I think those are some of the key things, but probably the one that's the most powerful and most commonly overlooked is sleeping well. Uh, in my book, How to Eat, Move, and Be Healthy, I give you a lot of tips on how to set up the sleep environment. It's critical to turn off any wireless system in the house, routers, uh, if you have any electrical uh, devices in your room, unplug them out of the wall. If you need an alarm clock, then don't use your phone. Get a wind-up alarm clock so that you're not getting electrical stimulation from it. And make sure you follow the advice in my book, How to Eat, Move, and Be Healthy, to move with the sun and go down at the right time because of the sleep cycles and how they affect the body and, and regeneration which is generally you got to get your head on the pillow no later than 1030. Um, otherwise, you start cutting in. First, the first four hours of sleep are generally uh, devoted to repairing the physical body. The second four hours of sleep, if you get eight hours of sleep, are psychogenic repair, which is brain and nervous system. So depending on what part of your sleep cycle is missing, it's fairly easy for me to <laughs> predict where you're going to start having a lot of chronic health problems if you're athletic because the body's just not getting enough recovery time. Um, the quality of your food and the quality of your water are critical. Recommend all athletes use biogeometry in their homes. If you listen to my podcast with Ibrahim, that's I-B-R-A-H-A-M, Kareem, K-A-R-I-M, founder of Biogeometry and his daughter, Dorea Kareem, Kareem. And then the second podcast with Dorea by herself, both of them are excellent there's a lot of great biogeometry tools that would generally enhance sleep quality and decrease stress. Having a grounding mat for your bed and your pillow can be extremely helpful, especially if you live in areas where there's a lot of uh, Wi-Fi systems overlapping or 5G systems. My God, that's enough to fry you. Um, but a grounding mat is very, very uh, effective for reducing global inflammation. Um, I would also suggest bioptimizers, um, mass zymes and capex enzymes. Capex enzymes stimulate your metabolism naturally. I don't take them 
uh, in the evening. I use them first thing in the morning as proteolytic enzymes and to stimulate my metabolism naturally. Um, I generally take five myself, but you should always check in with your body or your soul as I teach in my primal pattern eating training program online, which is extremely valuable for anybody that wants to learn not only how to eat well, but how to connect to and get guided by their soul because that's taught in there. Um, And then in the evening, I take five or six, sometimes seven or even eight masszymes, depending on what I ate. A proteolytic, a digestive enzyme is a digestive enzyme if you eat it with food, but if you eat digestive enzymes on an empty stomach, they become proteolytic enzymes, which means they go into the body and help break down dead protein in the body, which takes a lot of pressure off the lymphatic system and the immune system and is a very good form of detoxification and internal cleansing. And it does help uh, recovery because it helps the body get rid of the old dead tissue and move it out so that wound repair and uh, microtoma from exercise is greatly enhanced. Uh, Another important product from Bioptimizers is their Leaky Gut Guardian because most people have leaky gut syndrome due to all the stress in the environment, medical drugs, alcohol consumption, and typical stress factors. I found Leaky Gut Guardian to be one of my favorite uh, health tools, and I basically make myself a drink every morning, and I use... uh, uh, GAC protein powder. Uh, I take two teaspoons roughly of GAC protein, which is a, an amazing type of protein um, that comes from the GAC fruit. If you look up the GAC fruit, it's got almost no sugar in it, but it's got protein and fat in it. And uh, we'll put the uh, link to where to find that GAC protein powder. So I squeeze a lime or two, fresh lime or two, right into a cup after I've charged it on my biogeometry charging plate. Then I throw my um, leaky gut guardian there. Then I throw a scoop of of, uh, collagen, fish collagen, like shark cartilage and stuff like that since I'm 60 and I've got a lot of old injuries that I have to take care of. But we always want to have things like bone broths and collagen or uh, kosher jello gelatin in our food to give our body the molecules it needs to replace cartilaginous surface ligaments, tendons, and things like that effectively. And then I mix the GAC protein, the leaky gut guardian, the collagen into sort of a thick paste, add water and stir it up. So it's kind of like a thin, uh, enzymatically rich milkshake because the lime juice is just jacked with enzymes. And so I start my day with with a good protein source that's very healthy with enzymes, with leaky gut guardian, and a source of clean cartilage. And I think that's very, very helpful for recovery and general overall health and bringing in things that you need. Also, um, Paleo Valley has a very good organ supplement. Um, It's freeze-dried organs. Most people don't eat enough organ meats or gland meats, which is a real big mistake. All carnivorous animals in the wild eat their prey from the inside out because the organ meats is where the real nutrition is at. And research using radio markers has shown, for example, if you eat 
the kidneys of an animal, they've tracked those molecules right through the body and they go right to your kidneys. If you eat adrenal glands, it'll go to your adrenal glands. If you eat brain tissue, it'll go to your brain. So the body's very efficient and it recognizes which types of molecules correlate to which tissues in the body that are roughly the same or identical, and it sends those molecules into those areas. So supplementing with glandulars uh, like the high quality, very high quality ones that Paleo Valley offers is a great idea. Um, so those are some of the things that I do on a regular basis. Um, I also use sauna regularly. I used to have an infrared, but when we moved, we had a, a beautiful big uh, Finnish style sauna in our house with rocks. And I pour the hot water on the rocks and, and get the benefits of the steam. I put essential oils like eucalyptus to help clear the lungs and detox the body or calm the body or anything that I want. Calm the mind. You can use any essential oil you want. Just put it in the water and put it on the rocks and presto, you're in business. And from there, I go out of the um, swimming, or not the swimming pool, out of the uh, sauna, either into the cold plunge, sometimes in the swim pool. In the winter, I we don't heat our pool, and the pool gets down to last winter, it got down to 44 degrees for quite some time. So my goal was to swim three laps. Usually by that time, I was utterly numb from head to toe, and the pain of my head getting that numb made it real hard to get that third lap in, but being a good paratrooper, I pushed through it. Um, so if you have a pool, doing swimming or aqua jogging or just goofing around in the water is extremely therapeutic. So that's sort of just a rough overview of some of the things that I do. Um, but sleep and massage are really powerful. Healthy diet is very powerful. Resting and sleeping. Uh, I mean, I mentioned sleep, but using the principle of active and passive rest and being brave enough to be honest with yourself when you can't at least exceed your last performance by 1%, which is really just a psychological concept of stress exertion. If you can't exert yourself at least 1% more than you did last time, then you probably aren't ready for hard exercise and probably should be doing um, either an active or a passive day or a total rest day or just working in. Um, so there you go. That's a quick <laughs> overview of what could be a book or two. Hi, everybody. I'm super excited to announce that one of my favorite companies in the world, Bioptimizers, has a brand new amazing product called Blood Sugar Breakthrough. And boy, is that needed. Wade, I wanted you to come on and tell us how your new product works. Well, basically, we've combined a wide variety of products that help manage blood sugar and help dispose glucose into your muscle tissues as opposed into your fat tissues. And basically, by improving your insulin sensitivity and depositing sugar in a way that enhances your health, you will be able to have better workouts, better lean body mass gains, get leaner more easy and have that more steady blood sugar rate without the rises and dips, which is associated with, you know, blood sugar, poor management. That's excellent. What's the discount for Living 4D listeners and where do they get it? Well, if you go to bloodsugarbreakthrough.health slash living4d and put in Paul 10, you'll get a 10% discount. And if it doesn't impress you better than any other blood sugar product you've ever tried, you get 100% of your money back. 
hey, that's a no-risk purchase for an amazing product. And believe me, my track record with Bioptimizer's products is 100% satisfaction. Never had anybody complain to me, and I highly doubt you will, but I'd love to hear your feedback. Thank you, Wade. I'm excited about the new product. And for a limited time, Bioptimizer's is also giving away free bottles of their best-selling products, P3OM and Masszymes, with select purchases. Next question or group of questions, there's uh, several people who've asked a very similar question, including Art Through Fitness, June Cooley, and Carol Lump. Um, how, and you did mention this a little bit in your last, last uh, answer, but I'm hoping you can expand. How do you communicate with your soul and how do you receive the answer? So uh, how do you know when you are in communication with your spirit or your soul? And how does it? How do you distinguish the difference between the thoughts where they are and and where they arise from? That's a good question, and it's not really something that's easy to teach just in a few minutes on a podcast. Which is why I put that training in my Primal Pattern Eating webinar course. When I work with my students and more advanced training and my clients, I take them much much deeper than I can even begin to go on this podcast, most people don't really know what the word soul means, but soul is the functional equivalent of consciousness within. So for example, when you experience an emotion, you experience it within yourself. Emotions don't approach you from outside your body, like rain falling from the sky. When you've got gas pains, you experience it from within. When you're constipated, you experience it within. When you're happy, you experience it from within. Uh, When your body hurts, you experience it from within. Even if your hurt is on the surface of the body, your central nervous system is within. That's where you're perceiving the pain. So when I say I'm communicating to my soul, I'm communicating to the um, consciousness that is the sum total of all of those consciousnesses, which includes your... it's, It's... more inclusive than the ego. The ego is only about anywhere between 3 and 7% of the total consciousness. But below your ego, you have the subconscious, which is the wisdom of your cells, and then your unconscious, which is everything relegated to the part of you that you uh, it called consciousness that you can't manage or are afraid to manage or too, are, are too insecure uh, to deal with, such as uh, people's, you know, dark thoughts or socially unacceptable urges and desires or fears that you're not ready to address. Those are relegated to the unconscious, and that's what a shadow is, the collection of all those sort of skeletons stuck in the closet. Now, the soul, as I communicate to it, really would be more aligned with what is called in most spiritual literature the higher self which is the uh, wisdom that is beyond any one of those things I've just described about, but contains all of them, as well as including the superconscious mind, which is really inherent within us because we are an expression of source, and source itself is superconscious. So the simple way to communicate with your soul is to sit in meditation, do some breathing exercises, get yourself calm, 
And when you're really calm and centered in yourself and your awareness is within yourself, simply say, dear soul, if you can hear me, show me what it feels like when you say yes to me. And then typically what the most common reaction is, is people feel an uprising of energy, almost like a geyser of water shooting up their spine and out the top of their head. Then if you say, dear soul, show me what it feels like when you say no to me, most people describe a falling of energy or a sense that they get just like when someone's lying to them and they know it. It's sort of a crooked, uh, disabling feeling. Many of my students, after teaching them how to connect with their soul, have come to me often with tears in their eyes going, oh my God, Paul, I've been having these feelings of this form of energy communication my whole life, but had no idea it was my soul trying to get my attention. And I said, well, now you know. Now, how do you know that it's not just something you're making up? Well, I've never met a person yet that can take and make a whole pile of energy surge from everywhere in their body basically at once and shoot it out the top of their head. And the other thing is, if you're really communicating with your soul, your life improves dramatically and you realize that your ego is a very dangerous seeing eye dog. So you know you're communicating with your soul because your soul is brutally honest with you and the next thing you're going to do is you're going to confront the soul because the soul will tell you to stop eating things that you're addicted to or that are poisoning you. And it'll, if you ask it, of course, it'll tell you to not engage relationships that are painful or traumatic and any number of things. But then the ego gets very threatened because it's highly conditioned and wants to always have this illusion of control. The soul will also inspire you to do things that often seem outside the ego's sense of its own ability. So your soul might encourage you to train harder on a given day or to rest more on a given day. Or uh, for someone like me that paints, my soul might guide me to an image as a concept and say, paint something like that and I'll look at this very complex image and go, well, my God, that's an Alex Gray painting. That would take me 10 years to paint. I'm not nearly that good. And my soul, now I can talk to my soul because I've been doing this for a very long time and it's a long story, but there's a whole series of progressions you can go through, which is why it takes me often a few years to coach people to their capacity so they really do know how to use their soul. But... um then my soul will say to me, well, why don't you just have fun with it? Why, why be so stressed about it? Why not just play and enjoy yourself and do your version of that painting? And so the soul can really stretch your boundaries, both in awareness of what you're capable of and recognizing when you're bullshitting yourself. Um, one of the things that happens is the soul begins the ego begins to impersonate the soul. So if you don't pay very close attention to where the energy is coming from when your soul's talking and exactly how it feels, you can end up being in a situation like one student said to me, Paul, well, my soul has told me I can eat all the Oreo cookies I want. And last night I ate a whole bag and I've been doing that for several nights, but now I'm getting pimples and I feel like shit. So why would my soul tell me to do that? I say your soul would never tell you to do something 
that was deliberately damaging or unhealthy. And then I had to teach that guy how to recognize the ego's impersonation of the soul versus the soul's authentic voice. So it does take time, and the soul is much more radical and free and wise and open-minded than the ego often can handle encountering. So in a nutshell, that's really all I can teach in a simple format like this. But uh, start there. I would highly recommend if you're genuinely interested, you study my Holistic Lifestyle Coach, excuse me, my um, Primal Pattern Eating Online program through the Czech Institute, because I not only show you how to do soul connection and get direction from your soul, but I show you how to do other things like find directions if you're lost or find a book in a bookstore or a library. Um, And I also show you how to use um, muscle testing and diet logging to dial your diet right in and how to use soul testing as a backup or muscle testing as a backup to soul connection if you're confused as to what your soul's really saying. So uh, really the function of religion should be to bring us into contact with our higher self. And I'll close by saying it's important to remember that only God creates souls. So whatever a soul is, i.e. consciousness within, it can only come from higher consciousness. In other words, a soul can only be born from the ultimate soul, which is source uh, or God in my language, all caps, not a religious God, not uh, a contrived God, but what the Taoists would call the Tao that can't be known. And nobody can know God without becoming God. And if you become God, then there's nobody there to know it because that takes a subject and an object or a perceiver and something to perceive. So ultimately the soul is God within each sentient being experiencing itself as that being. So listening to your soul is ultimately listening to the highest self, which is that part of you that transcends space and time and lives eternally. And that's why it's worth the practice. Did you know that symbiotica means harmony? And you're really likely to enjoy my podcast with Shervin Jaffaria, the founder of Symbiotica. Symbiotica is an amazing company that makes excellent products to aid healing, enhance longevity, and improve performance at all levels of your being, from your spiritual practices to your athletic endeavors. I highly recommend you go to symbiotica.com and check out their top-notch organically sourced products that include excellent tasting supplements like their Synergy Vitamin B12, which elevates energy naturally, to their Shilajay Minerals, which help you better regulate your hormonal system. Their Biocharge Activated Coconut Charcoal is an excellent detox support and removes toxins and poisons from the body quickly and non-invasively. Their Organic Longevity Formula is one of my friends and students' favorites. They rave about it. I really enjoy their Regenesis Liposomal Glutathione for its amazing antioxidant powers, which is really helpful for anyone that enjoys vaporizing tobacco and herbs like I do. They also have great immune support products, water filtration options for drinking and showering, and some cool clothing and more. When you go to C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A.com and use your Living 4D discount code, which is capital C, capital H, capital E, capital K, 15 on checkout, you get 15% off anything they sell and you won't be disappointed. Enjoy Symbiotica.
Cheers, everybody. <laughs> I know you're wondering what's in my bag. Clean tobacco. Uh, grandfather's spirit blend of herbs called Awakening Spring, which is very good for kind of giving you a little lift without any addictive stuff in it. Uh, I get up early in the morning, so by the time I get to this time of day, um, I can use a little pick-me-up. And uh, I've got some spider flower essence, which is a real cool flower essence that helps you weave a web of consciousness or create a project or things like that. So cheers. All right. Next question comes from Tim Janik. And he says, death has been on my mind. Whenever thinking about it, I fear it. I feel it is because I've never experienced it. I feel it is because I'm not finished doing what I am meant to do. Fear of missing my family and my friends, and maybe I'm not living life fully. I feel a lot of people fear death as the medical community has not yet found a cure for it. <laughs> I feel like They never will. <laughs> I feel like it is because the whole humanity doesn't understand our origins. How does one come to peace with their own mortality and create inner peace with death? Well, I'll give you a very simple answer straight out of physics. Everything in the universe, based on physics and quantum physics, is made of only two things, energy and information. Stephen Hawking showed that even a black hole uh, cannot destroy information and that the information is contained in the invent horizon. Nassim Harriman's also showed the same thing. So you have to ask yourself, what does physics say about the ability to destroy energy? It says it's impossible. So ultimately, energy cannot be destroyed, only transformed. So death is not the end. Death is a transformative process. And the soul lives on, you, you know, without a long expose of what goes on, to the best of my knowledge, I have <laughs> I've been on the other side. I've skirted the, the, I've been into complete situations where I was so utterly gone, I found myself uh, wondering <laughs> seriously how I would ever get back, but somehow spirit wanted me back here maybe to answer your question. But um, and I've also been unconscious for multiple days at a time from uh, motocross racing accidents and things like that, where I've gotten a little chance to uh, be uh, aware that <laughs> there's more to it than we think. But really, energy and information cannot be destroyed. So whatever we are transitions into another dimension. If you look at the electromagnetic spectrum, for example, um, it shows that the, the visible material universe is only about 4% of what is out there. The rest of it, we don't even pick up. And I'll show you a simple way to prove that to yourself. If you just go on Google, for example, and search images from Hubble telescope or images of Andromeda galaxy from Hubble telescope or standard telescope, then search the same thing, images of Andromeda galaxy with microwave telescope, with radio wave telescope, etc. There's now telescopes in different frequencies. Or you can just search um, images of sp same area of space taken with different telescopes. And I've seen 
composite images that show you like five different types of telescope. And in the same region, a standard telescope, which is a giant reflective mirror, shows you the various stars, planets, and moons that are there. Then you look at it with a radio telescope, and all of a sudden there's all sorts of other planets and stars there. Then you look at a microwave or an X-ray telescope, and every one of them shows things that the other ones don't show. So there you see that depending on the frequency range or octave that you're looking into, you see all sorts of other things that aren't picked up by our sensory uh, perception, which is linked to your physical body. Now, if you look into the astral realm, that's the realm just beyond this realm. Another way I explain this to people is if you blow a dog whistle in a room full of people, nobody will hear it because it's out of the frequency range of the human ear. But any dog in the area will hear it and usually respond immediately to it. So death is an octave beyond the physical dimension. And what happens is we transition into that dimension and if you look at the research of Ian Stevenson, who's done research into people that claim to have uh, mem remembered past lives, he's got over 2,500 documented cases where people described who they were, where they lived, what they did in their past lives, and then they researched it. And lo and behold, not only do they find pictures and evidence of these people, sometimes they even find people that knew that person in their past life. One particular case I remember, uh, a boy was fixated on fighter planes and kept telling his mother he used to be a fighter pilot, I believe it was in World War II. He told his parents exactly the type of plane. When he saw models of it, he wanted that type of plane. He told them the tail number on his plane. He told them where he died, how he died, and they looked it up, and lo and behold, not only did everything match from they found that he was the pilot of a plane it did have that tail number he described who his crew was he described how he died all of this was recorded i believe he was in the navy and they showed they show picture pictures of people that these people saying they had these past lives and in almost all cases their physical appearance is very similar to the life they're living now um, and then if you look at the research of Raymond Moody, MD, he spent his whole life, started off as a complete skeptic and did the research because he thought he could prove that reincarnation was false, but ended up realizing after years and years of research that he had to change his belief because the evidence was too strong. Um, so what we are is source experiencing itself and source cannot die sources is, is consciousness in caps and everything else is conscious of to the degree that it's a sentient being so because what we truly are is one consciousness and if you haven't read the book one mind by larry dossie it's very good larry dossie md we are one consciousness creating the illusion of separation in order for love to be experienced because without the illusion of separation how would you have the experience of love love requires an i thou relationship i love you that means i am the subject and you're the object of my devotion so when i say i love penny or i love you to my wife 
the I that's saying that cannot be objectified, but we clearly have that subjective sense of love in us, and the object of devotion creates the ability for us to project our consciousness and our love to that person. So, source, or God in all caps, creates the illusion of separation so it can have an experience of itself, and mind is created whenever there's a relationship between two points of consciousness, and time is created whenever there's a relationship between two points of consciousness, and if it wasn't for time, then everything would be happening at once and it could not be comprehended. So space and time are expressions of each other, and the illusion of separation in space-time is what allows source to experience itself. This is why I love the first principle of Sufism, which says, there is no God but God, I worship everything and everyone, which is a really deep, profound, and honest uh, expression of what's going on here. So in summary, what you are is energy and information experiencing life, and energy and information cannot be de- uh, killed, only transformed, which quantum physics and classical physics both validate, um, as do the laws of thermodynamics. And uh, also Stephen Hawking's research into black holes uh, validates, and so does many other scientists such as John Wheeler and um, Nassim Harriman and a whole bunch of them. So that's my answer for you. Wonderful. Uh, this this is a question that's well expressed by this particular person, but the um, theme has come through in several other questions uh, about uh, self-doubt, self-worthiness, and so on. Uh, this particular question comes from Kevin Philip Red, and he says, how can I understand the fear of letting others down? I feel like I let myself down often, and if so, how can I possibly do better for others than I do for myself? Well, you can't do better for others than you can do yourself. That's why I always teach my students, I before we always. You can't give what you don't have. It's also not our responsibility to make other people happy because as soon as you fall into that trap, you also fall into the trap that telling them the truth about anything is likely to create um anger, emotion, jealousy, resent, frustration, confusion, sadness, or rejection of you. So I'm not saying not to care about other people's feelings. I certainly care about other people's feelings, but it's because I love them that I try to find ways to be honest with them without it uh, being more painful than necessary. Um. But, you know, we are the source of our own expression of love. And to the degree that we're loving somebody else at the expense of our own capacity to be with, meet our need, be with ourselves, meet our own needs, and um, take responsibility for loving ourselves, then we enter a codependent relationship in which each person usually expects the other person to make them happy or make them feel good or pleasure them sexually or provide money for them. And those codependent relationships are always a death sentence because they kill the ability for 
personal and professional and spiritual growth to the degree that you don't take responsibility for yourself as an individual and live your dream. When you really do love other people, you love them enough to take responsibility for creating a life that allows you to give yourself what you need so that you can exemplify that to others. And when you really love people, you make sure you have enough energy and presence to be with them and enough energy in reserve that if a crisis comes, you can give yourself in sacrifice to that person. Uh, a, a simple example that pops in my head is when Angie uh, had Zoe, she was in labor for long, you know, almost 40 hours. And I was there massaging and holding and pressing and squeezing and pulling and going nonstop. But if I didn't have a good enough and deep enough love of myself to do the work to keep myself healthy, to eat well, and to be vital, I would have never been able to make it through an almost two-day intensely painful, scary at times journey with her. Um, So to the degree that we really do love others, we come to the realization that to truly be for them requires that we create the space and the time to do the things we need to do to love, honor, and respect ourselves. And by doing that, we are emulating that to other people, which in our culture of very, very confused people with often very dysfunctional religious upbringings that are designed specifically to uh, turn people into uh, slaves of belief systems and to believe things like that you should give everything away like Jesus apparently did, which isn't even true. I won't even get into that because I can destroy that whole story. Then you you realize that uh, the best thing we can do is to to live such that we model um, a healthy way of loving to them. And this all boils down to having healthy boundaries. Um, there's a very good book. I can't remember the author's name. It's published by Sounds True, but it's called uh, something like How to Be Your Own Boundary Boss. And uh, it's written by a psychologist. I listened to an interview with her on Tammy Simon's podcast, Insights at the Edge. And there's a great example of a book that teaches you the importance of boundaries and how to create boundaries. But oftentimes, we don't have healthy boundaries and we do what we are doing because we need other people's validation to feel good about ourselves. And that's the trap of perfectionism. The trap of a perfectionist is that they always think they have to be perfect to get loved. The problem is, No matter how perfect they are, they can never get a consensus of opinions and their sense of how good they've done is based on somebody else's approval, which is a death sentence for sure. Um, Many perfectionists have been my patients and it's quite a journey to help them heal that. And it almost always comes from some kind of strict religious fundamentalist type upbringing. Um, So did I answer all the components of that question? I think I did. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's my answer on that. Hi, everybody. 
Do you guys want to know one of my secret weapons that helps me avoid being sick or feeling run down? It's Organifi Immunity. Organifi Immunity is a super high quality certified organic drink mix that provides daily immune support and supports overall immunity. Organifi Immunity contains whole food vitamins C and D, whole food zinc, mushroom beta-glycans, and provides only natural sweetness. Not only will you support your immune system, but you'll also get on-the-go superfoods in a delicious orange blend that is great for you and your kids and everyone will love it. My family and I love it and it's easy as tearing off the top of the package and mixing it with high-quality drinking water and you can rest a little easier knowing that you're enhancing your immune system, which is probably a good idea now that so many people are spending so much time indoors, breathing indoor air, and lacking sun exposure. Why not enjoy a little immune insurance while getting certified organic nutrients, superfoods, and great taste that's quick, easy, and effective? To get your Organifi immunity and shop their amazing product line with your Living 4D discount, Go to O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I dot com and save 20% on any and all of their products using the code capital C, capital H, capital E, capital K, 20. That's check 20 during checkout. Enjoy Organifi. We've just got time for one more question, which I've been saving for the last uh, this comes from Subluna Sai, and if you could have any superpower, what would it be? Well, I've already got several. Um, I have the power to speak to my soul. I have the power to get guided. I have the power to of positive thinking. I have the power of turning a negative into a positive. I have the power of creating beyond the laws of physics, which we all do. It's called a mind. Um, I have the power of creating equanimity and harmony if I choose to. And I have the power of drawing my life force and creative abilities from unconditional love. I think if I had a superpower that I could be given, it would be a higher level of empathy and compassion for lost, confused, and often very challenging people. For example, Bill Gates is an example of a very lost, confused, dangerous, dangerous human being. And sometimes I find myself really frustrated and disgruntled with him and people like Rockefeller and several others that are orchestrating the destruction of our planet and many related issues, including what's going on in the world right now with all this forced vaccination and silly, dangerous, dangerous stuff and censorship. So if I could have the superpower of uh, ultimate empathy and compassion, realizing as I do that all beings are an expression of the divine, then I probably would have less stress navigating the complexity of human existence. What do you think, baby? Which superpower do I need more of? <laughs> I don't know. I, uh, I, I figure most people think we're well, going to say something like, oh, I'd like to fly like Superman or, or climb walls like Spider-Man. But you, of course, come up with something a great deal more profound than that. Well, you know, 
none of those superpowers you mentioned would help me deal with the complexities of human life. They would just turn me into somebody that everybody else wanted to use as a tool for uh, their own devices. But uh, having a higher level of empathy and compassion is what makes one a saint. And one cannot become a saint until they see God in everyone and everything, or they're just a fake saint. And uh, I think, ultimately, we're all on the journey of self-realization, which requires that we awaken to who and what we really are. And it's hard to awaken if you let people trigger you, because it pulls you down into lower levels of consciousness and more of a knee-jerk, reactive, you know, reflex behaviors instead of, it's what Zig Ziglar calls ready-fire-aim behavior versus uh being centered enough to respond to a situation in ways that are ultimately the best for everybody involved. And empathy and compassion is really the uh, hallmark of nonviolent communication, which I believe is uh, something that we would have all been far better off to be educated into from childhood. And the world would be a very different place if we just had more empathy and compassion for each other. So, um, if there's one person that has exemplified that to me, it's the Dalai Lama. So um, when you consider he was, you know, mo something like a million of his people were murdered by the Chinese military um, for the same kind of reasons that we're getting tortured and murdered uh, by people with very strange ideas. Um, and he still is able to talk about that and, and not show any signs of, of, anger or resent but he has healed himself so i think the world needs a lot of healing and healing's pretty much impossible if you don't have empathy for yourself and compassion for yourself and others and the world itself so that would be the superpower that i would like to take on so if any of you knows where i can acquire that superpower other than the spiritual practices that i do please email me at penny at paul check and tell me where to get more empathy and compassion as a superpower all right well thank you paul for your time to answer questions today we had over 108 questions submitted uh for today's podcast uh and of course we couldn't get through all 108 of them but um i think we managed to combine some of them together so that we we at least answered questions for a couple of dozen people Yes, and, you know, I'm happy to do more of these. I'm just, you know, I try to juggle it with solo podcasts and finding the best, most interesting guests I can. And um, I just did a podcast today with Ian Morris, who's a, a music therapist, and it was mind-bogglingly good. So I think that one comes out right after this one. Um you'll definitely want to listen to that. This guy is deep and for real. And we had an amazing discussion, which included the events of what's going on in the world and concepts for healing. And uh, his music is very powerful and very healing and very beautiful. And you'll get to hear samples of it right in the podcast. So that'll be fantastic. And I've got lots of other interesting people on the way and uh, lots of ideas for solo podcasts. And if you have things that you guys would like me to do uh, podcasts on or solo podcasts on, feel free to submit those. Uh, where's the best place to submit 
you can submit them anywhere through Paul's social media accounts, uh, to the Czech Institute, um, by email, doesn't really matter. We'll find them. Okay. And uh, I will share more. And if you haven't listened to my The People That Changed My Life, that's a podcast that's like an expose of about 60 uh, amazing people and great thinkers, scientists, spiritual teachers, and people that really did change my life. And I think a lot of you would get an amazing amount of benefit by uh, studying the resources that I offer on the people that I talk about because they've certainly changed my life. So, and Penny, you're one of them. So thank you, baby. You are welcome. Love you. Thank you guys. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you to our sponsors for your amazing contribution to the world, your sustainable practices and companies, the extremely high quality of your products. Thank you to all of you for sharing the podcast and sharing the love and helping educate the public and teaching critical thinking and encouraging freedom. And thank you for all the purchases you make with the podcast sponsors. We do our best to give you the best discounts we can. And a little commission on your purchase goes to the podcast to help pay for the production of the podcast and to give me a little support so I can take the time away from writing and coaching and doing other things that I have to do to produce the podcast. So Thank you for all your time, energy, willingness to learn, live, love, and grow with me. I look forward to sharing with more with you soon. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this Q&A edition of Living 4D with Paul Check. Follow Paul on Instagram at paul.check, on Twitter at paulcheck, or on his YouTube podcast channel, youtube.com forward slash living 4D with Paul Check. Watch more on Paul's blog at paulchecksblog.com and get your free subscription to Czech videos and more at the Czech Institute's new media site, chekiva.com. Remember, you can read the show notes and find links to the resources mentioned in this episode at checkinstitute.com forward slash podcast. <laughs>